Good morning. Stand up with us in worship. Thank you. 
Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to worship. We're glad you're here at First Baptist. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. And as we gather to worship, we're here to praise and to reflect and hear from God, and we're excited that you're a part of that. If you're a guest with us, thanks for being here. If you don't mind grabbing the guest card in the pew rack in front of you, uh, and you can fill that out. It's just a quick, easy way for us to get to know a little about, bit about you. And at the end of the service, you can take that to the Welcome Center up the left at the ramp. And uh, we have a gift for you. You can drop it in the box there, have a uh, pastor there to meet you, and, and, and we can get to know, get in that relationship. So thanks for being here. I also want to remind you about connection groups. If you're not involved in a connection group, we'd love for you to try one out the next hour. And then two weeks, we're starting up uh, the, the new ministry year, and uh, we're hoping everybody will get back connected to connection groups. And uh, we have an option at 11 o'clock uh, now. Uh, myself and the Burnettes will be teaching uh, groups there. So if you haven't gotten connected and the 11 o'clock hour somehow works for you, uh, then uh, you can be a part of that and come check that out. So let's uh, continue in our worship. We'll pray and we'll continue to sing. Father God, we thank you for all your, your many blessings, for who you are, creator, majestic, glorious God that you are. Thank you that you have chosen to reach down to us and make us and reclaim us as your people, as your children, God. We gather this morning to give you praise and honor and glory. We thank you for your love for us, your grace and mercy, and help us as we express that to you in song, with our attention as we listen to your word, as we open ourselves up to your spirit to change us, to be more like who you are. And Please guide us as we worship. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm Amy. I, I'm leading worship for Todd this morning. He's out on vacation. Um, this week has been incredibly joyful for a lot of people. And then this week has also been incredibly sad for a lot of people. And um, I know that sometimes we don't come to church with our hearts in the right place. And then we get distracted. And um, those distractions can turn us away from where our focus needs to be. And right now, we're here to worship. We're here to worship our great and almighty Savior. And um, let's do that this morning. You may stand with us. <laughs>
tasted and seen of the sweetest of lives, where my heart becomes free and my shame is W. Smith, you're probably going to recognize it if you've been in church for a while. Um, pretty easy to sing.
be seated. Let's just pray together for a moment. Would you join me, please? Oh, Lord, we thank you for this place. We thank you for what we've just sung and for these leaders who have led us. And we sense your presence here, Lord. Your Spirit is here with us, within us, and also among us. And we are so grateful that we are your people, that we're connected to you for, for now and for all eternity by your grace, through the blood of Jesus, through our faith in you. We're glad that we're a part of your family that crosses every nation, every time period. We're a part of the people of God. We're grateful, Lord, we have help for our time of need. And Lord, we pray for those who may be hurting or have some decisions to make or got some problems at work or whatever it may be. Lord, thank you that you're a burden-bearing God. Your word says that you carry, help carry our burdens. We're so grateful for that. Lord, we thank you for our final destiny of eternity, of triumph, of victory, of peace and shalom, of wholeness, where there's no separation, no tears, no pain, no worry. We thank you, Lord, that we have a home in heaven. Help us to run the race in that direction. Be with us as we worship together today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We have the opportunity the next two weeks to celebrate the two ordinances of our church that Jesus has commanded us to. This afternoon at 5 o'clock we have baptism. Next Sunday morning we'll celebrate in this place the Lord's Supper, Lord willing. So we invite you to be a part of those. First, our, our baptism is our annual outdoor lake baptism this afternoon. We are at Woods Reservoir, not where we were last year. If you're sort of new to our church, we're back to where we have traditionally been. There are directions uh, to Crockett Cove. I don't think it'll show up on your GPS if you just put that in. So there are directions on the Welcome Center. Hope you'll join us at 5 o'clock. Bring a lawn chair. We have a picnic provided. You don't have to bring anything. There's a lot of shade there. If it's hot, it's shady. There's a lake. If it's real hot, you just jump in. So it's going to be a great time. We've got about eight people so far uh, to be ready to be baptized, and we've still got room for more. we got room for you uh, to be baptized. I hope you'll join us uh, this afternoon, 5 o'clock, uh, for our lake baptism. Today, I want to talk to you about what you say about 
Jesus. The Bible calls this your confession. And I want to talk to you about the words that come out of your mouth about Jesus. Some people say words aren't very important. You know, that it's what's in your heart that matters, that it's not important what you say. And it's certainly true that words alone are, can be empty, and an empty confession is of no value without a heart and a life that backs it up. But the Bible says that our confession, that what we say about Jesus is extremely important. So this morning, I want to invite you to join me in a word study in the New Testament we're going to look at several scriptures where the word confess occurs and see what the New Testament says about what we ought to say about Jesus. The Greek word that, is, uh, that we're going to be looking at, uh, homolego, means to say the same. To confess the name of Jesus is to say the same thing that God says about Jesus. When you say the same thing about Jesus that God says about Jesus, then you confess Jesus. This word will be translated four different ways in the New International Version that we're going to be looking at. It'll be translated confess, profess, acknowledge, and declare. And all of these translations are reflecting that same word to confess or to acknowledge or profess or declare mean the same thing. And as we look at these scriptures about what we say about Jesus, they fall into three different groups. There are three different ways that we are to confess the name of Jesus. Number one is an initial confession of the name of Jesus, or a, a beginning, a first confession of the name of Jesus. This first formal confession of Jesus, the content of it is Jesus is Lord. Lord means two things. Lord means master or boss. And when you say Jesus is Lord, you're going to say I'm a follower of Christ and now I'm under his lordship like you might have a landlord who's over your property. Well, Jesus is your life lord if you're a Christian. He's over you. He's my boss. He's my master. And the word Lord also means God, because this is the, tr the word that is used throughout the Old Testament for, for God. So when you're saying Jesus is Lord, you're saying he's my master, my, my uh, boss, I'm under his authority, I'm going to follow him. And you're saying, I confess that Jesus is the Son of God, he is divine, who died for our sins. So let's look at that initial confession as best described in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. In Romans 10, 9, if you declare, there's that first word translated here declare if you declare or acknowledge or confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord there's the content of that confession so your mouth is important if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved so this confession is essential to salvation there must be an inner belief in Jesus to be saved and there must be an outer confession if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your mouth that you believe, or it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess. There's that same word. You might want to circle it every time it occurs. Verse 9, it was translated declare, here, profess. If I were translating, I would have done a, 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 um, 
a common translation so you could see it occur. They didn't ask me when they translated this, but same word, declare or profess your faith and are saved. If you put all of what the New Testament says together about the response that's required of you to become a Christian or to be saved or to go to heaven, there are three primary words that describe the response that you must make to be saved. Repent, believe, and confess. Repent means to turn from your sin. Believe means to turn toward Jesus. So there's, there are two parts of the same action. And then confess means to openly, outwardly, verbally acknowledge what you've done in your heart by repenting and believing. So in Mark 1.15, Jesus said, he came preaching, the time has come, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe the good news. There's those first two words together. Jesus said, repent and believe. Here, it puts believe and confess together. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Uh, so the central word, if you just choose one word, uh, the Bible will use each of these three just individually. Jesus said, unless you repent, Luke 13, 3, you will all likewise perish. So it can use any one of these for the proper response. But the primary one, the central word, is believe. And the one that stands alone the most is believe. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. But that belief assumes a repentance and a confession. It's the shorthand for those three. In Acts 16, 31, when the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself, and he said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. He didn't have a lot of time. If you've got a shorthand when somebody's about to commit suicide, believe is probably the best word to choose. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the central of the three words that sort of sums up the other two. But let us be clear, this passage says that the fullness of the response required is repentance, believing, and confessing outwardly. So some people want to believe but don't confess. Let me show you John chapter 12, verse 42. At the same time, many among the leaders believed in him, that is Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge, there's our word, confess, profess, declare or acknowledge, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. So they, in the next verse says, they love the praise of man more than the praise of God. So they had an inner belief or a, a, a propensity to believe, but it wasn't strong enough to produce an outward confession, and the Bible does not look on, with favor on a belief that will not produce this initial confession that Jesus is Lord. This confession that Jesus is Lord is associated with baptism. That's usually the occasion of that, that uh, Jesus told us to be baptized. Let me read to you 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse uh, 12. Paul writes to Timothy, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession, there's our word, in the presence of many witnesses. It's to be a public, unashamed confession of your faith in Jesus in front of many witnesses, he said. And so uh, tonight in our baptism, when we baptize people, I'll say, will you confess before these people Jesus is Lord? And they'll say, Jesus is Lord, or Jesus is my Lord and Savior, whatever they want to say. And they'll confess with their mouth to reflect that inner belief in front of many witnesses. And people will go, yay, that's the greatest thing in the world. Have you made that initial confession? 
that you've expressed your inner belief in an initial confession in connection with baptism. Now, you might say, well, preacher, I think that when I was baptized, they didn't ask me to say Jesus is Lord like you did. Does that mean I'm, I'm not saved? No, I'm not saying the exact words. I don't think that was the case when I was baptized as a nine-year-old boy. I don't think my pastor asked me to say Jesus is Lord. I think that's a biblical pattern here. But your act of outwardly confessing that is what is required. Uh, they didn't ask you to say those exact words. But that there needs to be that unashamed outward confession of faith. And so I talk to people sometimes who say they're struggling. They don't know if they're saved. They don't know they're going to heaven. Maybe some of you are like this. And you say, you know, I've had religious experiences. I've done things. Uh, I think I've prayed. I, I don't know. And one of the first questions I'll ask them, well, have you confessed your faith and been baptized? And oftentimes the answer is, well, no, I haven't. Or, or I haven't as a believer. And you see, that's one of the reasons you may lack assurance of your salvation because that sort of nails it down for you it's a public stand of who I am and if you're missing that in your life I want to encourage you 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 can either come forward at the end of this service you can see me at the welcome center if you want to talk a little more and have more questions or you can show up I'll be at the lake hanging out there you can show up at 4:30, and we'll talk about it then you could be baptized tonight but if you're struggling with that uh, uh, Assurance, this is one of the initial things, not the total answer to that question of assurance, but it's the initial first answer um, of how you gain assurance of your salvation. Because an inner prayer, inner belief is, is not an objective event. Oh, well, I think I prayed before I went to bed one night. You take a stand and you say before people, Jesus is Lord, and you baptized in sign of his death, burial, and resurrection. And it gives you that assurance by which you can confront the devil when he seeks to dissuade you. First way that the Bible speaks of uh, confessing of the importance of what we say about Jesus is there is to be an initial, a beginning, a first confession of faith that Jesus is Lord publicly in association with baptism. But that's not the only way that it speaks of our confessing. This is not a one-and-done thing. It's not just for those of you who can say, okay, I've been baptized, I, I did this publicly, I'm, I'm done with this confessing of Jesus. No, that's not it. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. Well, first, the, a continuing confession of the name of Jesus is the second way the Bible uses this word. A continuing confession of the name of Jesus. Uh, so let's look at Hebrews 13, 15, where it says that. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess, there's our word, confess, declare, acknowledge, profess, profess his name. So, the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews, that is to Jewish people, Jews who were becoming Christians, had the background of the Old Testament sacrifice. And the book of Hebrews clearly says, we don't have to offer that animal sacrifice anymore. Jesus has been our once and for all sacrifice for sin. The work is done. But now he's saying, but that doesn't mean there's no act of sacrifice left. There's no atoning sacrifice left. That's been done in the death of Jesus. But there is what he calls here a sacrifice of praise that we're to offer. And so even after our initial confession of faith, we're not done confessing Jesus. Don't think that's it. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that 
openly profess his name. Let me share with you three arenas in which I believe this verse is to be carried out. Three things I think this means. First of all, we're to confess the name of Jesus in worship in the church. First of all, I think this verse is saying the fruit of your lips, a sacrifice of praise, is we confess the name of Jesus in worship in the church. This is why we sing in church. We don't do that just to fill up time, you know, or just, well, we've always done it that way. There is a biblical command for us to continually offer the fruit of our lips in worship. And so we sing about the name of Jesus. This is why I think you ought to sing. Man, let me tell you, I'm not a good singer. I don't read music. I know nothing about music. But I try to verbally sing because I don't want to be guilty of disobeying Hebrews 13, 15. Jesus has done so much for me that I don't want to not offer him a sacrifice of praise. And I want to continually let the fruit of my lips acknowledge or confess or profess the name of Jesus. And so that's why I think you ought to sing. So try it. Open your mouth and sing out loud and let the fruit of your lips offer you. And this is why people sometimes say, oh, you can worship outside of church, outside of the gathered assembly of believers, wherever they're gathering. And that's true. You certainly can. But I doubt you're doing this at the lake in your bass boat or, you know, or you're not, whoa, you're not singing. And that, that is the fruit of your lips. You're, you're, when you say, I can worship anywhere, you mean, I'm just thinking about God and I'm praying silently. And that's great. That's not this. That's not the fruit of your lips. And that's why during COVID and our online worship, I'm so thankful for it. People are doing that right now. People are watching it. I'm so glad. But as a normative pattern, that is deficient. And one reason it's deficient is we're not together or we're not sharing life. And one reason it's deficient is we're not, you're probably not offering the fruit of your lips in a sacrifice of praise. Grateful for it. It's certainly genuine worship, but it's not the normative pattern that he's called us to. It's to assemble and offer that fruit of, of lips. Now, second thing I think this verse means, we're to confess the name of Jesus in witness to the world. So when he's saying this sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, is not just in this place, but it is in the world to brag about Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to share with other people the fruit of your lips, confess his name. Let me just ask you, do you ever say the name of Jesus out loud to anybody to thank, thank him or whatever? Wouldn't it be tragic if there are those of us who are Christians who stood and got baptized and said, Jesus is Lord, and then never spoke the name of Jesus in a public setting again? Wouldn't that be tragic? Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that continually profess his name. So if you're not doing that, there needs to be times when Jesus is on your lips. Thanking him before others oh i'm so grateful for what jesus has done for me at the anniversary of your baptism you know when you got baptized brag on it every year at that time if you don't know when it was just uh, uh maybe you know the season oh, 14 summers ago 50 summers ago i got baptized i'm uh, in the name of jesus and i i mean i just want to celebrate my spiritual birthday Do you know this is my spirit say something about jesus to the world let us continually offer the fruit of our lips a sacrifice of praise. There's a third way which I think this verse applies, and that is we're to confess the name of Jesus in time of testing. So there's going to be some times in your life 
when you're reluctant to say the name of Jesus. Maybe you're in a group of people and you think they're cool and you want to be cool and they don't think it's cool to talk about Jesus and, and you then so you hold back. Maybe it's in somebody takes a stand that's very different from your belief and they say, you're, you're not one of those people that evangelical Christians, are you? And you're going to be reluctant to identify with the name of Jesus. And the Bible makes it clear that that is going to be very important in our lives that we not shrink from the name of Jesus. Let me show it to you in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, Jesus is warning that there's going to come times of testing for any of his followers. It'll happen in your life and my life. Let me just read you some of these verses before we get to the one that talks about confession to give you the background. So I'm giving you some of the background of the context of this passage. In uh, Matthew 10, verse 17 and 18, Be on your guard, you'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Verse 22, you'll be hated by everyone uh, verse 21, brother will betray brother to death, a father his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. It's going to be times when even families are against you, he says. And if you say, well, that doesn't happen in my family. Well, it does in a lot of places in the world right now. Verse 22, you'll be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Uh, verse 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, verse 31, so don't be afraid. So I'm just giving you these verses that you get the context. Okay, In that context, let me read to you now verses 32 and 33. Whoever acknowledges me, Matthew 10, 32, or confesses or professes or declares, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I'll disown before my Father in heaven. Do you see the essentialness of this confession uh, that Jesus is saying? There's going to come tough times when it's hard to own me. But let me give you some encouragement. If you will own me before others, if you'll acknowledge me, if you'll confess me in those times of testing when it's not popular or when the tide turns against you or even the culture or the government persecutes you, I'll confess you. I'll own you before the Father. I'll say, he's mine. Satan will say, man, he, let me tell you what he's done. And Jesus will say, listen, I died for him. He's mine. And he'll own you. He'll acknowledge you that day. Let me tell you how this worked out. The background of the book of Revelation, by the time Revelation was written, I believe is the reign of the emperor Domitian. And the Roman emperors by that time had developed what was called um, the, the emperor cult, the cult of emperor worship. That is, they believed themselves to be deified, and they wanted you to worship them. It wasn't a big deal for most of the people in the Roman Empire. It meant, first, at first, that you simply once a year had to go to an imperial temple or altar, and there was an imperial altar or temple in every one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And you had to go there once a year and burn a pinch of incense and bow your knee and say, Caesar is Lord. That's all you had to do. You could worship any god. 
the rest of the year, but this was sort of a unifying factor in the Roman Empire, and it was acknowledgement to Caesar as Lord. Most other religions did it freely. You go to the temple, burn the incense, Jesus, uh, Caesar is Lord. You go and worship your God the rest of the year. Christians wouldn't do it because Jesus is Lord. And they would not say Caesar is Lord. And you might say, well, why don't they just say it and avoid persecution and the rest of the year they can worship Jesus 364 days of the year. Christians said, it's important what we say. We're not going to just say it just to get out of persecution. We're going to own Jesus in the tough times and in the good times. And the background of the book of Revelation is that emperor worship. And Revelation chapter 3 verse 5 says, The risen Christ said to the church at Sardis, where there was an uh, in, uh, emperor cult altar. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I'll never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge or confess or declare or profess that name before my Father and his angels. So we just need to think about that. There'll be some time of testing in your life. I pray it won't be like that. I pray that we don't get to a point where it's like that, I, but I don't know. I think you need to be ready, but it'll come in some way, some peer pressure, some place or time when it's just not popular to be a Christ follower in your life. In the time of testing, will you offer the fruit of your lips that praise the name of the one who has saved you? There's a third and final way that the New Testament uses the word confess. It uses it, first of all, as an, of an initial confession that when you become a Christian, when you repent, and when you believe, you are to confess Jesus is Lord. It uses it of that continuing confession that in worship and in witness and in time of testing throughout our lives, we confess the name of Jesus. But the third and final way it uses this word is of a final confession of the name Jesus. Of Jesus not a confession of salvation but a confession of submission this final confession of the name of Jesus will be universal submission to Jesus as Lord let me read it to you in Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11 in the background of this the verses before has told how Jesus has descended from heaven how he left equality with God and humbled himself to become a man and submitted to death and even submitted to a, 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 an embarrassing death on the cross. And then the next verse, verse 9, speaks of the reversal of fortunes. Therefore, because of his obedience and humiliation, therefore, verse 9, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee will one day bow to Jesus in heaven. That means every angel and every demon will bow to Jesus. On earth, that means every living person will bow to Jesus. And under the earth, that means every dead person, every person who's ever lived, will be resurrected to stand before Jesus and then to kneel before Jesus. And then the next verse says, And every tongue acknowledge or confess or profess or declare 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This will not be an acknowledgement that confesses salvation. It's too late from that. Until your death or the return of Christ, you have the opportunity. It is never too late until those events. You can confess Jesus and be saved. But at this is rather a universal submission that every tongue will acknowledge. Now, let me say, I believe in complete religious freedom. It's a hallmark of Baptists. Baptists, if you don't know Baptist history and what we're about, Baptists, you know, the, the Puritans came to the New World for religious freedom, but they didn't want to give it to anybody else. And so the Puritans got freedom by coming to the New World, but they didn't share it. And so Baptists were the crackpots. We were the far extremists who didn't believe in infant baptism. And so when we came over, we were, we were the persecuted in colonial America. So Roger Williams began Rhode Island as a free Baptist colony so that people of all faiths could, could have religious freedom. And throughout colonial America and Virginia and other places, Baptists were persecuted. So Baptists have always been champions of religious liberty. When they came to write the Constitution, Baptists did not feel there were enough protections for religious liberty in the Constitution. And John Leland, a Baptist pastor in Virginia, was ahead of James Madison for the Constitutional Convention in votes. And Leland tried to get Madison to put a Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments, into the Constitution wasn't in favor of it and he finally said I'll drop out of the race and you can win if you'll put the Bill of Rights in Bab and he did and he won and James Madison put the Bill of Rights the First Amendment the Second Amendment in in the Constitution because of that I believe in religious freedom I believe Muslims ought to be free to worship in America I believe atheists ought to be have under no pressure or coercion I believe that Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Hindus and everybody should be free to have a God or no God but let me tell you, there is going to be a day when every knee will bow to Jesus. It may not be that it's coercion. It may be by that point it is so obvious that there is no choice left. When the devil's thrown into the lake of fire, when the beast is defeated, when all enemies are under his feet like a footstool, every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge, I was wrong, he is Lord, or thank God, He's my Savior, and He is Lord. What about you? Are you ready for that final confession? Have you made an initial confession? Would you do that today? Would you be willing to name the name of Jesus and say, don't have all the answers, don't understand everything. I believe He's God. He'll be my boss. Jesus is Lord. And if you've already made that confession, would you just recommit yourself today to say, I will not go through life with the name of Jesus not on my lips. He has done too much for me. And I, in my life, will offer a continual sacrifice of praise in worship and in witness to the one who has saved me. Would you stand together with me? The musician's going to come, and in just a moment we're going to sing a song. And um, You could do this right now. You can do it later if you want to talk more about it. That's fine. But if you're ready, you could just come forward right now and say, yeah, I, I want to own the name of Jesus. I confess him as Lord of my life. Receive, I believe in him. I repent of my sin. And I confess him as my Lord. Maybe you want to come join our church. Maybe you want to pray about some testing or something unrelated to what I've talked about. God may be doing something in your life. We'd be glad to pray with you.
God speaks to you, you come. You, we're ready. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry to make it clear. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's okay. You're fine.
to bow, you have to bow. All lesser things that demand my attention, you have to bow, you have to bow. Fear and depression, shame and confusion, you have to bow, oh, you have to bow. All lesser things that demand my attention, you have to bow. To bow. Fear and depression, shame and confusion, you have to bow, oh, you have to bow. And all else are things that demand my attention, you have to bow, you have to bow. I see my way out of the valley, I'm gonna shout my way up to the mountain. And I will take hold of the truth of your promise. I'm gonna praise. I'm gonna praise. just a moment more if you will. Thank you for coming and being here today. I shared about our baptism tonight at the lake. I want to share with you briefly about our Wednesday night service. Wednesday is the last of our summer outdoor worship services at 6.30 in the rear parking lot. We have food trucks uh, that will be here this Wednesday beginning at 5.30. So if you want to come a little early and get something to eat, you're encouraged and welcome to do that. And then our service at 6.30 will begin with a member meeting, our quarterly member meeting, where we'll vote on new members and on our uh, new leaders for the new year. Two weeks from today, as Daniel shared with you, begins our launch Sunday. Our new leaders take effect, be electing those. We still have one um, position of a Wednesday night kids worker that we need. If the uh, Lord is calling you to kids ministry, Megan needs one more worker. She expanded because we had so many kids on Wednesday night, added more classes this year. Need uh, one help. If you'd see her, if you'd be willing to help on Wednesday night for kids worship. But anyway, we'll be uh, voting on those and then voting on our budget this Wednesday night. So uh, copies of it are on the resource center around the walking track. If you haven't had a chance to review that, if you have any questions, you need to submit them to the stewardship team by today. And Wednesday will be our uh, final discussion and final vote on our proposed budget for the new year. So I hope you'll come and, and, and be a part of that. 
I invite you as you leave to give your tithes and offerings either through the boxes on the wall right there by the doors as you go, or you can give online or on our church app. And we thank you for your tithes and offerings. This is our act of worship uh, that we give to God who has blessed us with our incomes and jobs. And we give back to him to say thank you. Every good thing comes from you. And we worship you and thank you. Thank you for sharing and giving in your offerings. Hope you'll be a part of the Connection Group today. If you've never been before, you could start today. But especially plan two weeks from today. That's when everything's new. You can fit right in with the newness. Great time for you to get plugged in to a connection group. Let's pray together. Would you join me? Lord Jesus, in this place, we lift up your name. You are Lord. It's not too hard here, Lord. Help us when we go out from this place that we'll continue to lift up your name unashamedly on our lips, the name of Jesus. It's in your name we have hope and life and strength and joy. Bless us with your peace as we go, dear Jesus. Amen. I'm going to sing my way out of the valley. I'm going to shout my way up to the mountain. And I will take hold of the truth of your promise. I'm going to praise.